Hello and welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Schultz, and today I am joined by my good buddy, Adam Emmert and Clinton Bonner. Follow Clinton out on Twitter at Clinton Bonn. And if you want to catch this live when we have this conversation, head on over to youtube.com, search for the Seahawkers podcast, and you can chat right along with us, ask us some questions, and that's what we'll be doing in this show. But yes, let's get into it, starting with you. Clinton, another week down of Seahawks news. Maybe some frustration that, well, I felt some frustration that I want to get into. This is this may be my vent session uh, for this week, because I, I don't know if anybody else feels as uh, as angry as as I do. Just judging even by people out on Twitter that seem to want to talk sense into an emotional situation that I'm just not prepared to to set aside emotions for. Yeah, I think you might be be the one who needs the catfish button, you know, when it went for the replays this time. And yeah, Brandon, I, I, th- I think it'll be fun. Well, it'll be interesting to talk through the emotions that you were kind of still working through and uncovering. And I think I'm, I know we'll, we'll talk about it. I think it'd be interesting to, to, to dive into it, like the spectrum of where people are at when it comes to the whole Bobby saga. Now that we saw, well, not just the landing spot, but the dollars and cents and everything else. And it, it kind of parlays back into our last show, right? I think people should go check it out because we talked about how are the Seahawks really spending their money? And is, is it, you know, is it good, bad, ugly, or who cares? He is Adam, Adam coined last time, which I think is great, by the way. And I think it continues with this because seeing what Bobby signed for, you start to be like, are we spending our money wisely? And, and it, why seemingly are other teams spending it differently? Let's put it that way, right? Well, Eileen comes in right away, says, what's up, guys? Go Hawks. I had to stand behind this dude at the store that was wearing a Rams Super Bowl champs shirt. Ugh. Uh, yeah, that just that's not good, especially when we have to sit and watch Bobby Wagner not only sign a contract, but then they put out some jersey with Bobby Wagner wearing the number 45. Uh, mm-hmm. Michael Jordan wearing the number 45 has never made anything look so weird. No, but Bobby Wagner wearing 45 that they couldn't. They couldn't figure out how to get Bobby Wagner his actual number in L.A. The, the only thing that makes me feel better about this is knowing that there's no way Bobby plays any better in L.A. wearing 45. It looks wrong. So it, it feels a little like uh, you have Mario and Wario, right? Like there's Bizarro uh, Bobby Wagner here. So we just call him Magner, you know, because, you know, Mario, Wario, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the W, yeah, Wagner, flip Magner, it, flip it, yeah, yeah the, the flip of it. Uh, the 45 made me feel better because then he doesn't look like himself in that jersey, which means it's not really him. And uh, it's going to be uh, a little easier to to stomach. Now, I think I'm having an easier time stomaching this than uh, you are, Brandon. Um, you know, on this last road trip that I just was on, it was a long one. And you know, I was doing some thought on it and everything. And, you know, it just kind of had maybe a little more Zen uh, focus to it and just the idea of everything that has a beginning has an end. And um, there comes a time when you're ready to move on as an organization and they clearly are. And look, it would have been nice to have Bobby around for the locker room presence and all that stuff. Absolutely. And on the field as well. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he's still fine, fine player, but at the end of the day, isn't it a little more fair to him to let him go and, and try to chase another ring and, if that's what he that. wanted, if he wanted to leave and chase a ring, then fine. But listening to Bobby, he wanted to be in Seattle. So where you know, are we 
are we doing? What what are we what are we doing sending him somewhere else when he's talking about Seattle's his home? He wants to wait, he's, wait, 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 wait. What? Wait. The 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 proof is in the pudding, dude. Like, sure, Bobby says a lot of things in interviews, but what did he did he sign for a lot of money or a league minimum or a vet minimum contract? Oh, it's it's a decent amount of money. It's seven oh, million dollars okay. for one so, year. I, I guarantee you, if it was a vet minimum, the Seahawks would have had him back. So, like, how badly did he really want to be in Seattle? That, well, so, I mean, me- you're you're telling me that a future Hall of Famer that they would have that the Seahawks would have gone to him and asked him to take a veteran minimum contract. Well, obviously, it wasn't ten mil for a year. It was less than that. Listening to yeah. Sherman talk, it. It wasn't even. They didn't even go to him asking him to take a pay cut. They had already R- made the decision oh, to move Sherman's on from him. Richard in the building now knows all the conversations. Richard Sherman was the one who announced the deal, so I'm ready to take his word for it over over not having any information well, at how all. How do you think Richard Sherman announced the deal? He seems because to be pretty, he was in it with Bobby. Oh, he seems to be pretty connected. oh, so Bobby talked to him, and then he let out Bobby's side of the story, and that's how it went for sure. We have to piece together the information that we have. We have Do no we? information that the Seahawks were giving him, were asking him to take a pay cut. I, I don't understand why. Why do you think you know more information about this? I'm not saying I know anything about it. That's okay. the difference. Like I'm, I'm saying that there are there are known unknowns, and then there's unknown unknowns, and I don't know any of the unknowns. I don't know about you, Clinton. How many knowns do you know? I know a few things. I know a few things here. I think I, I think I know a few things, and I'll go and go out on a limb. And I don't think at the end of the day that this was about money um, for the Seahawks. I think it was. I think the facade of the money was a very convenient excuse. If it were say, about hey, money, they would have gone to him and asked him to take a pay cut. It's like, hey, this is $20 million a year. We can't pay you that. And, you know, for what he did sign for, which was, what, tantamount to like $10 million a year, essentially. And then I did see a, a, something, I think it was the Ring of Honor, said, well, it's a little more nuanced than that because Seattle has to eat $4 million this year. So at the very least, it's kind of like take the 10 and the 4 and he'd be a $14 million player, yada. So totally they, he eat they eat four million this year right. because I believe that was what was left from his signing bonus yep, when he signed sense. his extension. Which so makes it's sense. dead money. And that's just what the what the Seahawks, you know, for cap yeah. purposes, Bobby they're, they're in got for that, that anyway. So it's like so that, that that to me you actually could just take out of the equation. You owe that regardless. You you already signed the check on that thing. Um I just don't think it's about money. I think it's a convenient excuse to to put it in the corner of it being a uh, the dollars thing. Meanwhile, I think it's Pete and probably John. Um, no matter what they say on stage, hey, we we you know exasperated every we, every nook and cranny to try and keep this guy. And then they we didn't did, even call him. They didn't did, call him to everything know that they were releasing him. And, and, I, and I'm not going to think about another is, way. And I, but I'm not going to kill them for. I think it's a facade, just in the same exact way. Russell Wilson, what he had said the last year and a half or so, maybe more, was a facade to keep a certain persona and level out you know out to the public end of the day i think pete wants one last hurrah with young dudes like that's what i think he wants i think he wants faster young players and to give it a go with one more rebuild and bobby at any dollar amount over 10 million or so was not going to be in the equation that that's just my my take i think there's some lying at the top of it to make it about money when it really it's about speed i think I don't even think that the team was making it about money. I I think that they 
made the decision to move on, like you're saying. And I'm saying that for a guy like that, you find a way. I just don't understand. You're not playing for anything next year. We can be real about that, right? It's not like we're trying to go on this playoff run next year. Why can't you ride things out with your future Hall of Fame linebacker? If there's one guy on the roster that you can be loyal to, a guy who was on the field for 170 tackles, over a thousand snaps last year. Instead, you you're paying a couple of defensive this tackles. Is, this is a this is a straw man argument, dude. But you're paying a couple of defensive tackles combined more than you're paying your future Hall of Fame linebacker. You're telling me that we couldn't have just rolled with Brian Monet and Puna Ford and a couple of dudes through the draft instead of having Quentin Jefferson and Al Woods. Yeah, it's not an either or thing. Because the cap's magic and they could have found the money wherever they wanted to. To Clinton's point, it's probably not really about the money. Now, let a couple points here. A couple points here. One, we have already gotten practice at watching an all-time Seahawk finish the tail end of their career on a division rival. We've already got the practice. Richard Sherman has done that for us. That was gross. Wasn't fun to watch. But now I know how to handle it. And I'll know how to handle it watching... You know, Magner in his 45 jersey on on the Rams. It's not going to feel good. I don't like it. I'm not happy about it. Anything like that. Second point. Thing about this is, is to Clinton's point that, yes, they're ready to go all in on a whole nother rebuild and do it with young guys. Think about the way that um, Pete and John went about building the roster in the, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 season. The, all the transactions, all of the roster churn, all of that stuff. They're looking to just start churning through guys and see what they got. Bobby Wagner isn't your answer for the next six years. Maybe not even for the next two. He's maybe your answer for one. So in their mind, let's get ahead of the ball game here. Let's get going. Let's start figuring out who's up next. Because having Bobby on the team is going to prevent that next guy from getting up there and showing what he has or doesn't have. And is it going to hurt? Is it going to look ugly? You bet your sweet ass it will. But at the end of the day, this is uh, this is what is going to happen. And I don't know. I don't know if it's all the L.A. money that comes in it's, for them. It's not a whole lot of magic that the Rams are having to do here. The, initially, when Sherman broke the, the news about Bobby, it was a five-year, $50 million contract. And I know... Then a lot of Seahawks fans were saying, oh, well, that's great for Bobby. Five years, 50 million. That's that's a heck of a deal for a guy nearing the end of his career. The only thing, it's not a five year, 50 million dollar. How much is guaranteed? Contract. 10 million guaranteed. OK, so it's a 10 million dollar contract. It's a it's With it's incentives. a it's essentially a one year, 10 million dollar contract or a two year, 17.5 million dollar contract. Yeah. And I heard and the so, is only one point five million this year. His, no, he he gets uh, it's it's one point five base salary, but his base, cap okay. number is two point five. So yeah, Still this is how plain. this is how the salary cap. This is how the Rams are working the salary cap is that they're paying Bobby for cap purposes, uh, two point five million this year, and then that goes to twelve million next year. If they decide to cut him, then they're then they have seven and a half million dead cap in twenty twenty three. And so that's his dead cap amount, but he's getting, you know, his he's getting his what 10 million this year because they they're able to spread out that roster bonus over the five years because it's a five, a quote unquote, five year contract. 
So they spread out that bonus money over the course of those five years. And that's how that's how they're making this work, because they know after they're done with Stafford, after they're done with Donald, they're going to just have to go into rebuild mode. And then that's when they're going to start worrying about their draft picks again. Yep. Now that that all makes that, you know, that that, that's the cap magic that you can you can punt it. And it seems like Schneider's been he did a little bit of that last year, if we recall, right, a a couple of restructuring things, but been been far more reluctant to to try that and uh you know adam you know to 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 your point though of like you know hey keeping the next guy from coming out and playing too i i do think that's it like we we saw i know we saw at the end of the year where that cody barton i thought he outplayed bobby at the end of the year when it came to coverage speed just movement in space i'm not trying to say the dude's a better player you know all-timer but right now but Barton outplayed Bobby Wagner the games we saw him. Now I will say now, now Bart- you're pissing me off, Clinton. Well, I just but look at the tape. We we talked about I, it. I, the thing is, is I don't care. I don't <laughs> care if Bobby Wagner is slightly less good as Cody Barton. I don't care if I'm watching Cody Barton on the field from year to year. Like, what am I going to get watching Cody Barton play maybe in 2022? Some maybe some W's. Maybe Cody you know, Barton. Maybe. His the difference between Bobby Wagner, who's lost half a step, to Cody Barton is going to equate how many wins for the Seahawks next season. It, it may be zero, but the but the difference in money we would have owed, and then slide that into you know again, we could debate whether or not we're spending our money wisely or poorly. That's a different discussion. But you know, other players that were grabbing Nuoso, for instance, in a, in a three-four defense where that guy could go do the things he's good at, uh, at 26 years old, by the way, on a second contract. I, I don't mind it. Like when the, when the Russ and Bobby stuff was kind of you know looming. My brain was like, we are going to end up cutting Bobby. I didn't think we would ever trade Russ, ever, ever. I thought we were going to cut Bobby because I was like, it just financially does not make sense. And he looked like he lost more than a step. That 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 was my take. Love the dude. He's still freaking solid. But, you know, I just, he, he wasn't, he was nowhere near 2016, 2015, 2014 Bobby. Just that, that dude was long gone. That's that's my take. Does he get rejuvenated with with the Rams as you know as 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 Magner? Um, God, I hope not. <laughs> I sure hope not. And I hope maybe that- if he didn't have to play forty freaking minutes a game every week, we wouldn't have noticed that he lost a little bit of it. I I listen. We talked scheme previously, also that the dude was the dude was maybe getting he was maybe getting exposed because the scheme was so darn bad. He's told just to lay back and then go get his tackles. Okay, well that's the scheme. What's he supposed to do? That's definitely a possibility. Can another team scheme him very differently with with talent like you know Donald on the line? Yeah, probably, probably. It's probably going to be like halfway through the year where I am just as pissed as you are, Brandon. But I'm not there yet, and I hope I never get there. But I could totally see like week seven watching a Bobby, you know, pick six against you know some scrub and being so pissed off because he's like you know a dynamo and on fire again. That's a possibility, and I don't want to face that yet. Yes, describing. One of my nightmare scenarios. So let's take a break. Let's come back and talk about what would have been, I don't know, my Disney scenario, which is to have Bobby retire with the team. Is that even a worthwhile scenario worth exploring in today's NFL? We'll get into it coming up next. Former Seahawks linebacker Bobby Wagner signs with the Los Angeles Rams, and it's It's one of these moments where I have to think that, man, 
Is there any player that the Seahawks could have that they could see retiring as a member of the team? I, I want all our legends to retire as a Seahawk. I mean, in a perfect world, in a Disney five world, you bet, you bet. I would love to see every all-time great retire with their team, right? Now, I'm not talking just Seahawks, but you look back at the history of the league, it just doesn't happen. I'm, I'm looking forward to Emmett Smith on the Cardinals being what Wags is over with the Rams. It's going to be fun to watch that. It was time to move on, and they had to, they didn't have to, but they chose to. And so here we are. So what and, and all those points with their facts, logic and reason, Brandon, I know are going to have a really hard time penetrating right now. So I, what I want to know is how we can get your feelings <laughs> to the level of acceptance that this has already happened. It's done and there ain't no take backs. And here we are. I, I mean, it'll just take time, but obviously if the Seahawks were competing for a chip in 2022 and they had some young dude behind him that it was like, okay, there's an, uh, there's a potential upgrade. The salary cap makes sense. You're dumping Bobby. You're going to use that money to go pay some left tackle, solidify the line. You're going to go after a, a, another piece that makes the team immediately better. That's really going to allow you to, to take the next step in competing for a, a championship then I could rationalize it. But just saying that, well, Bobby lost a step. So again, under the scheme, if he wasn't playing 40 minutes a game, maybe he wouldn't look so slow. Maybe we wouldn't have to take some plays off. But I, I do think that there's room for, gosh, when I think of Steve Largent, when I think of Cortez Kennedy, when I think of Walter Jones, like those were dudes that stuck with the franchise until the end. And I, is, I that guess I the, stopped, is that the norm or the rarity? Well, it's obviously the rarity because they didn't do it with Sherman. They didn't do it with Earl. I no, thought I'm Bobby could be that league. guy. In I thought Bobby league. could be that guy. It happens yeah. enough that I, I feel like. It's waning though, right? Again, it's like, it's, it's what, what not, else are they playing for? Why can't they have a little bit of loyalty? Yeah, I, I think you and I see it uh, very differently, Brandon, in terms of if they were competing for a championship next year, I would be furious if they got rid of Bobby. There's not anybody next year that's going to be 90% of Bobby Wagner. I'll give you Clinton that Barton's maybe 70, 75 of Bobby, but you're never going to find somebody next year to be 90% of Bobby Wagner. If you're competing for a championship, you keep him around. In a, a year where you're completely blowing it up and trying to do a rebuild and cycle through the roster and find new guys and find the next five years of success, that would be the time that you move on from an icon like that, that and, and let him go and actually play out the rest of his career playing winning football on a winning team. That last part felt dirty. Just so you're, you're aware. I know. I, <laughs> look, there are facts and I don't like the facts. I'd love to change the facts. And then on top of all of that, you know, you can blame for all this player movement and everything that's happening now with the NFL and everything that the freaking Rams, this is the Rams fault. The way that they just went, them and the Bucks, the, the way they just went out there and rearranged the deck chairs as fast as possible and mortgaged out the future, who gives a crap? It's time to win now. And it worked for them because the NFL said it would. And this is this is the problem. This is the Rams' fault. Don't, don't blame us. Blame the Rams. Put your hate, your sports hate that burns deep down in there back in the right spot, bud. 
I don't know if fueling my hatred toward the LA Rams can burn any hotter. I, I don't know if there's any more fuel that can be added to make this worthwhile. So I, I guess we can try. We'll, we'll see. And uh, I, it could go very badly. But let's switch over topics to DK Metcalf. Some trade talks, obviously, over this past week. Fans trying to decide whether or not DK should be kept while the Seahawks look to transition from Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner into whatever we're going to become next. And I can understand where different sides are coming from in this scenario. Adam, where are you at on this? It'd be great to have DK around for the next five years. It really would. I'd love to have him re-signed and all that stuff. I think that's a guy you can build around and a guy that you can look at and be like, yeah, we can we can have him for the future of this rebuild. Because let's be real, this year's a dumpster fire, no matter what we do. This is what's happening. Next year, they're going to draft highly again and add free agents and all that. Hopefully that team is a lot like, uh, you know, the 2012 team where you looked at it, you went, oh, crap. They put this together and we're just this much away from, you know, winning a chip. And then the third year going all in and being super competitive. And DK can definitely be a part of that. He's got those sort of years left in him. Now, whether or not they keep him, that's a freaking mystery, man. I mean, I would think it's unconscionable to get rid of him. But then again, Russell Wilson wears an orange jersey now. But I can understand the argument. At least rationally, I can say, okay, there's a bunch of dudes coming out of college, a lot of good receivers. We're on our third year of draft experts saying that this is one of the best wide receiver classes that they've seen. And so year after year, there's these dudes coming out of college that are have, have been really good. So can you find somebody to potentially upgrade uh, DK uh, who, who might be better than him and you don't have to pay $25 million to? It's possible. I could at least see a rationalization there of, yeah, um, I, uh, you know, even wow, 90% DK. so different with Bobby and DK. Yeah, I put it on unlike. No, I can understand the rationale. I'm not saying that I agree with the idea of getting rid of DK. You know, like there are, for every... DK and every uh, AJ Brown and Justin Jefferson, because there are, hey, there, there have been a, a run of really good wide receivers coming out and the wide receiver talent looks good again. And with that, you have your, you know, your, your Ragers and your maybe Devonta Smith and every other Eagle that they've ever drafted who seems to stink and Nikhil Harry's. Now that just might be like, you know, well, well you, make, you make good choices, you make bad choices, but there's two sides to that coin. Yeah, there's been a ton of great wide receiver talent, but a lot of them are misses too. That's just that's just the reality. Also, I I did, you know, uh, Rob was on your show, was on your guys' show, right? Talked with you very recently, Rob State and uh, Brandon, and he was saying, you know, what kind of what kind of trade would you maybe entertain? So I thought the Jets tenth, which I know was ours, but whatever, the Jets tenth and the Jets thirty eighth, at least as a starting point that I could be like, all right, that's interesting for DK. I wouldn't want to do it. But at least it's pretty interesting, considering what it would give us this year in terms of picks. So we just talked about the idea that these drafts in the last few years have been heavy in receiver year in and year out. In college football, is it going more run-centric and less developing receivers and having a bunch of awesome receivers? Or is it going towards more spread, air raid, uh, receivers working in space, catching a lot of balls, working on their craft? I, I would argue that it's definitely going more offensive centric in college football. So if that's the case, then why am I giving up a bona fide superstar in his prime now 
when I can still draft all those other receivers that are out there in this deep, deep class of receivers with your own second, third, fourth round picks. I just don't see the the monster upgrade there. I have I agree, by the way. I am not on I am not on at all uh get rid of DK for this because he's you know do a contract. Like, isn't it a, isn't it a good thing when the dude you drafted, you're like, oh yeah, he's a no doubt we must resign that guy? Like kind of indication that you drafted the right guy, right? So that's part of it too, is like there's this like movement in the NFL or with like cap nerds that are like, yeah, you 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 really you got to make your decision so carefully with that second contract. And I, I agree to some extent, but there are just some people that should just be absolute no brainers that you just say, yeah, we're resigning him. Like he's going to get whatever top five ish money. We know he may produce in the top 10. Maybe he peaks at like, you know, two to five, something like that. And we're okay with that because the next year and the year after that, maybe he's paid top five, then he's, then he's seven, then he's 12. Then he's 15 and then it's time for his next contract, right? That's just the way it works. So I'm firmly in, give the dude the money, roll it out, secure him, maybe make him a captain and, and work it that way. Like yeah, go, go in with DK Metcalf. Um, I'm just intrigued by the conversation. So we, we talk about the idea of, well, DK is, you know, he's not in the $20 million a year club. Okay. And as fans, we have a hard time looking at the new numbers each and every year and seeing them two years from now, like $20 million a year today when you pay a guy is like paying a dude three years ago, $15 million, which was unconscionable. You can't pay anybody that, that kind of money. And then the cap goes up and up and up because this is the most popular sport in all the land. And all of a sudden that $20 million doesn't seem like a crazy deal. And it's just something that you got to be conscious of. Um, you know, blame the Jaguars. I mean, paying Christian Kirk all that money for like no reason. <laughs> it just makes it tough on people. Yeah, and to the idea that DK is dropping all these balls, seven drops in 2019, eight in 2020, four last year. His drop percentage has gone down every year that he's been in the league. Seven percent his rookie year which for a rookie, okay, 6% in 2020, 3% last year when his foot was practically broken. So uh, right. yeah, I, I think he's trending in the right direction. He is. And I, I think he's, he's the, in my opinion, the kind of dude who's going to, yes, you're going to have your drops in the season where you're, you're pissed off mid game for a little bit. He's also the dude that puts up two touchdowns and, and scores one late fourth quarter and puts puts teams away and 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 is the and is the best player on the field at times and like that's what he has to grow into is being like less at times and more like hey 10 out of 17 weeks or 12 out of 17 weeks you were the alpha and there was nobody else close to you um we've seen it at the Philadelphia playoff game like he won that game <laughs> like he was he was the best dude on the field that game he's done that again and by the way He's a dude who can work the middle of the field. Remember that little drag route against the Niners? It was like year two. He catches it, whatever, like seven yards out, 12 yards out, turns on the burners around the corner, and nobody touches him. Cool. I love when teams, especially our team, is like, let's do this one thing, and it's amazing, and let's never do that one thing again. And, and that's what we kind of suffered through a little bit. So new quarterback, let's see what happens here. But 
dang it, man, use him with slants, use him with drag, drag routes. He doesn't need a lot of separation. First of all, he can get separation. Second of all, he does not need a lot of separation because his body's so damn big. Like, use that dude in different ways. And he has not, that's the one thing too, is like the three years of him on this team, he has not been maximized yet. And he is a peak freak athlete who can be maximized. If he went to another team, I mean, watching him score 14 touchdowns a year and, you know, 1,300 yards easily, I would throw up. I would throw up. I'm almost going to throw up right now, fellas. Number one, we talked about all the receivers in the draft and everything. And sure, you trade the picks for that lottery ticket to get another one. How often does a guy with DK size and speed come along? He's just a rarity. And I I think that's something that you're not going to find with additional picks going forward. Secondly, there's not often do you see a young quarterback click with young rookie receivers right out of the gate and that helps them develop quickly. Think about Russ developing early on. He had Sidney Rice. Got some veteran guys out there, Mike Williams, guys that helped him out because they were professional receivers that knew how to get open, how to run routes, how to, you know, make their adjustments and everything like that. Whatever quarterback we're developing going forward, it is a much more friendly situation for them to have veteran DK and veteran Tyler out there running those routes in help helping the quarterback come along and have success early. So then it breeds confidence so that then they continue to, to have confidence. I would much rather have that situation than a bunch of young bucks running around out there and the quarterback being like, well, I don't know. Like, well, just try to figure it out. My other guys don't know either, but okay. I think that would look like the, D- the Detroit lions, right? Like that's what they were last year where it's like, you got golf who let's be fair had his ups and downs, but a couple of years, the Rams was really successful when it was like scheme. You're going to do it this way. And it's like first two years, he was pretty good. And, and then, you know, he kind of hit the skids, but they just had a, you know, just a hodgepodge of, I mean, it, uh, St. Brown came out of nowhere and it was really, really good. But for the most part, it's a bunch of just young dudes who don't quite get it yet. And you saw the results. And I, I don't know, like I, it's actually a strength of this team. And if we're, hey, if we're tanking, 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 yeah, trade DK. Like, if that's really it, if you're really, t- but again, he's what, 25? It just doesn't make sense. You still have right, right in the middle of his prime where you could tank and keep that dude, build roster, and then still get his prime, prime years. You know, like that's, there's, there's no need for, for a dude like that. And hands off Lockett, do not trade Kyle Lockett. <laughs> I'd be, I would be more mad about Lockett than I, than I am about Wagner. I, I would be. So are we all going to find out this off season of who our player is that bugs us the most that the team moves on from? Is, oh, is this what's going to happen? I think we are. Oh, I, I mean, it, it was pretty easy to me. I mean, the idea of giving up an all-time franchise quarterback, um, I, I just, it's, un, it's unconscionable. I mean, it, it's only because quarterbacks equals wins. Yeah, like right. that, that, I mean, that that's really it. Where all the other positions, it's like, yeah, it's nice having awesome dudes, but it doesn't translate as directly as, say, the quarterback position. So, um, Russ is easier to take for me just because everything that happened last season, and he just, I got more of the sense from him that he wanted out. And so that's, yeah. Those are fair feelings, Brandon. You have the, you have good feelings. 
They're the right feelings for you. Thank you for and- validating my feelings. Yeah. And just yeah. wait, just wait on the next episode of the Seahawkers podcast where it's just you and me. I, I still have some in the tank to have, to have this discussion so I'm again. Nice to you today. I'm going to drag you a bit tomorrow and uh, we'll, we'll call it good. A lot more to talk about on the next episode of the Seahawkers podcast. Check that out. Seahawkerspodcast.com. But in the meantime, head on over to fieldgoals.com and you can check out John P. Gilbert. He has a new article out looking at some of the best remaining free agent tackles. The Seahawks still without some veteran tackles on either side of the line. Also check out Wilson Kahn's article. He focuses on the report that there is no truth to the Jets attempt to acquire DK Metcalf. There were some rumors out there about the Jets maybe offering up that 10th overall pick, the one that used to belong to the Seahawks, and offering that for DK. Apparently no truth to that rumor. So if you want more details, check out Wilson Kahn's article. I will be back here talking more Seahawks coming up soon. And until next time, go Hawks. Go Hawks.